Support for My Best Living Pod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking the world and is now available in all of Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Manscaped is trusted by 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Awesome. So we have got, um, Marv and I have both been sent a pack which your balls will thank you. I love that phrase. <laughs> I, you know what, Andrew? It's it's funny. I mean, when they said they were going to send us stuff, I didn't realise we're going to get all this sort of stuff. And I think anyone, because obviously Valentine's Day is coming up now, anyone who's looking to get a gift for their man, obviously, I mean, I'm sure we, we might have some women listeners because we do have women on our podcast. But this is a great gift to get for them, isn't it? So what we're going to do is over the next few weeks, um, so Manscaped have joined uh, My Best 11 Pod. And as we said to you uh, people on social media quite openly, we're really excited to be sponsored by these guys because we want to give back to you guys. We've got codes, we've got um, discounts. That's what we want to yep. do. We've been very picky about who we've actually um, taken on as sponsors because of that reason. So we didn't want to be sponsored by things like gambling sites and stuff like that. Nope, we don't want to bar no. that. We are well and truly behind things like Luton and other clubs that are behind that yep. sort of thing. And this company, did you know they even give a percentage of their profits to testicular cancer charities? Really? Well, that's, that's brilliant. That really is fantastic to hear that. Um, so you can get 20% off and a free shipping with the code MyBestLivingPod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code of my, my best 11 pod. Your balls will thank you for it. Welcome to another episode of my best 11 podcast. Today we are joined um, by the current Burnley manager, um, who, as time of recording, has just managed to turn it over, um, apparently, the most difficult place to go to in the country. Um, and he, But we're here to talk about his playing career, um, who started off under Brian Clough at Forest, then went across to Chesterfield, Bristol City, spent a little bit of time at Luton, where our co-host Marv met him um, properly. Millwall, um, that yellow team down the road, which he's managed as well, which we're not going to mention. We're not allowed to mention their name at all. Um, and then finished his career at Northampton. Sean Dyche, how are you, sir? Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Excellent. Marv, how are you? I'm excited, Andrew. This is, I mean, it's just, I mean, people are not going to realise. I, I, don't, I don't really speak to, like, Dyche as, like, but we just been on the phone about five, ten minutes ago, and it's like, <laughs> we're old mates sort of thing and that's the greatest thing I can say about one you know when you're like a, an ex-footballer or whatever you want to call it and you and you like reconnect with someone it's like you just were speaking to him yesterday and that's what it was like with me and Daishi and it's fantastic I think, I think the thing is I Marv as I've got older you know being at Luton for that little spell um really rejuvenated my career it was really important because if you remember I'd had a beast at Bristol City I was getting battered so I came out of there and went to Luton on loan and you were so courteous in making me look like a well-beater next to you. Um, and that allowed me to sort of remodel my career from there on in. And it, it rebirthed me as a footballer. So that three months was really important, actually. You know, we were 
50 minutes from where our families were from, which at the time was important. Great group of lads, as you know. Lenny was brilliant with me and with us. So it was actually, even though it was a short window, I I remember it were really fun times. I'd always get slaughtered off the Watford fans for saying that, but you know, I always tell the truth and I remember it were really good moments. That is the one thing about Daishi. He always tells the truth and, and and he says it how it is. And that's why I think, I mean, going back, I thought you signed for. As I mean, I thought you signed for Luton. I mean, I look back and I thought to myself, "Yeah, it was at Luton, and he was here for." And I saw the loan. It was only three months. It was yeah. only three months, and and you don't. And like you said, you connected with all of us, and you came in, and it's like you're one of us. You know what I mean? You was like part of the family straight away, and you just embedded everything what we did. Yeah, well, I, I come in for Steve Davis, who, who ironically ended up going to Burnley. Um, I thought he was a fantastic player, mate. I really did. I thought, what a player. If he, being a bit harsh, if he had another extra yard of pace, I think he'd have, I think he'd have been a top player. What a player True. he was. And yeah. then they had to put it with me. Um, and I was kind of just, re, you know, coming out of a real horrible spell at Bristol City and I came remember. to you guys. And it was yeah. a, it was like a really young group, apart from, you know, me, you and a couple of others. It was quite a young group. But there was a nice energy about it. Some real carrots in there. And it just... It just took a load off me, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really did, and it was a very important part of my career. Looking back, that three months, you know, got me back yeah. going, got me fit, got my energy and my confidence back up, and then I got a move off the back of that to Millwall, and you know, did well there. So it was, it was a really important three months. That it's fantastic, uh, definitely. So those people that haven't listened to the podcast before, what we do is we go through all the way from, um, and we get Sean to name his best eleven players who he's ever set foot over the white line um, and played with as we go along. Sean may try and give us a few, few guess, uh, sorry, a few clues, and see if we can work out the players that he's talking um, about. So, when you're ready, um, first of all, we always like to ask, and you're a manager at the moment, what formation have you gone for, and has the formation been created by the players, or have you stuck to, are you one of these rigid managers? Bear in mind this is fantasy football, so have you gone kind of? One one eight because you love the strikers. Well, to be fair, bear in mind that everyone says I'm a rigid manager anyway. It wouldn't be a surprise to you that I've gone for a four four one one stroke four four two, and with a bit more flexibility than people probably give us credit for in my actual life as a manager. Um, but no, it's a format I like playing in. I played with players who I've chosen who I think fitted that format, and some very good ones. I hope you'll agree over. This, this uh, next little while when we're talking about it. Okay, let's start with the goalkeeper then. Yeah. Right, so, so um, you'd definitely know, Marv, so that's a, a clue in itself, you'd definitely know this goalkeeper. Um, he became and still is a very good friend as well as a very good goalkeeper. Um, he's probably approaching 800 league games, I think, by the end. Something like 785 league games. Played he's still at many not playing, games. is he? No, no, no. Played at many different oh. clubs. Um, very keen golfer. Top man. Very level, steady fella. Um, and you, he I think you played with him. Did he? He didn't play for the other team down the road as well, did he? Mm. He did. Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Go on, Andrew. Say it. Alec Chamberlain. Yes. So Al, Al was... Uh, so when I went to Watford, um, I was living in Northampton and I was living around in Kent because I was at Millwall. Then when I moved around, um, Chabo was living in Northampton. I ended up moving back to Northampton because I said about half an hour from Kettering. So we car shared for virtually my whole time at Watford. Then I went to Northampton as a player. Then I went back to Watford as a coach. So then we were sort of car sharing and stuff again. Um, so I played with him. I thought he was an excellent keeper. 
I thought he's a very grounded fella as well. Very, you know, very genuine, just a top bloke. Um, and we spent a lot of time together. You know, there's other keeps I must say I could have put in who are very good keeps as well, but because of my connection with him as well as, you know, um, as a bloke, as well as playing with him, um, right. he's a fine servant to virtually every club he'd been at. And do you know what? Because I think he was gonna um, gonna come on here, and he still is gonna come on here, but like it's just not worked out. <laughs> and I was doing my research as I do. I didn't know, right? And I'm, I was I was shot. Liverpool. He went to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. He was, and he was on the bench for the what was it? Was it one of the um, League Cup? Or, I don't know. Or was it in yeah, Europe? Anyway, something I, like that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, something I, like. I was shot. I was shot. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh my gosh. No, he had he had an unbelievable career. I mean, you know, like I say, he was. I think he was still on the players' sort of side of things, even though he was a coach at like 39, you know, 39, 40. Um, super fit fella. I do remember he was a really fit fella. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was always fit, but like you said, yeah. top straight down the middle guy who was just like, yeah. just so easy to get on with. So easy yeah. to get on. And he know? still is. Still is top yeah. fella. Um, he's, he's, now, he's now doing some on the recruitment side for us, some scouting. Yeah, he said, and in and for yeah. Wales as well, I think as well. Or oh, he was right. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and with the Wales. under twenty one, the goalkeeper. So yeah, that's right. So I'll start with Alec Chamberlain in goal. Oh, great start, great start. So we'll go right back. Okay, another. Um, you'd have definitely played against him. Uh, a legend in his own right at his club. Um, I played with him and enjoyed everything about him, both as a as a bloke and as a player. Um, very underrated there's a clue in that mostly underrated as a footballer but highly rated as a defender um, was he an international? well I don't um, don't think so no okay <clears throat> I've ruled out who I was thinking really, really I'll give you I'll give you a clue fantastic the best I've seen 1v1 as defending 1v1 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I was going to go Boise did you mm-hmm. play with Boise? He was a young kid coming through when I was there. Ah, uh, okay. <clears throat> He's one of these young whippersnappers. One v one, really. He scored. He scored a very famous first goal. Famous for the reason of how long it took for him to score that goal. These are good little clues he's given us as well, and we're incredibly <laughs> famous. When he scored, it almost made news across football because it was that long till he scored his first goal. But he was such a legendary sort of local figure. Uh, I've, I've, I've gone. I've lost it. Stephen, Stephen Carr? I've got Stephen Carr. No. Don't say it. Yeah, go on. Lloyd Doyley at Watford. You know what? I'm like, I mean, just say it, Marv. I wouldn't have got it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, would, no. I knew someone there, but I wouldn't have got his name. I mean, I, I, Lloyd, Lloyd was, Lloyd was so underrated. You know, you know, Marv, because when you, when you, when you ask me to put a, a side together, you know, like, so I'll give you an example, right? So someone I could put, or I consider a better footballer, yeah, I know, yeah. And a top was Lucas Neal, right? So I played with right. Lucas Neal. But, but when you talk about playing alongside someone and someone who you thoroughly enjoyed playing alongside with and you trusted and you thought, what a, you know, so underrated, I'm telling you, Lloyd Doyley, Bartman, brilliant lad, fantastic professional, awesome 1v1, would never let you down. The number of times I used to turn around and he'd be jumping and heading it off the back stick when I'm out of position. And I used to think, he keeps me on the team. People like him. And you know, my boys are like, get him tucked in. You know I mean? I'd go, Lloyd, get in here. Get in here. And he'd be in here and then he'd be stopping the man crossing it. I used to love it. I used to go, Lloyd, you'll do for me, son. So, do you know, how long was it then before he scored his first goal? Do you know? It was something crazy like, 
because he nearly scored when I was playing with him. Um, but it was something like, I don't know, like 267 games oh. or something. I was something mad. And I was, so I had the, one, of, one of my highlight moments that didn't involve me, if you like, was Lloyd Doyle scoring because I was with Malcolm Mackay, I think it was, as an um, assistant manager. Yeah. And he scored. I've never known an atmosphere change. Like it was the weirdest thing. The Crowbars went silent. They were so shocked. And then they just went mental. You know what I mean? It was the weirdest moment. I loved it. I, was, I can honestly tell you, I told me that story when they sat up for one of my, when I wasn't, you know, physically involved in the moment, that yeah. kind of like definite highlights were seeing him score a goal. And he's a brilliant fella as well. Oh, that's great. So he played at right back and obviously you played right-hand side of the centre, is that right? No, no, I used to play left a lot. Not not with Marv, obviously, but I used to play left quite a lot because I was I could hoy it with me left foot. I could throw me left foot on it. So I was I was quite comfortable on that side. Oh, okay, so you tended to play more with the left. So you, you tucked in the left back a bit more. You were shouting yeah, yeah. With, with, Lloyd right back. On the right. yeah. with Lloyd, I played a bit more on the right. We're mixed between the two. Uh, but yeah, generally, I'd play on the left. And trust me, that left back, he'd be covering me. Don't worry about that. It'd be four <laughs> yards from me. Marvel Taylor, Marvel Taylor. We didn't used to let him go anywhere, Marvel, did we? No, Andrew, let me, let me just say, right, obviously everyone remembers <laughs> Daishi when, at um, Chesterfield and the, the semi-final and stuff. And I remember when um, Lenny goes, oh, look, I've got um, a lad coming in on, on loan. He's going like, to really, like, help us out and, like, be solid and strong. And, and he went, it's like Sean Daish. And I'm thinking, I know Sean Daish. He's, uh, he's like, he's, like he might, I thought he's like a bit of a stopper. That's what I thought. You know what? When he come and he start, we started playing in training. This is how professional he is. In training, he had all the tricks, the drag backs and stuff. When it comes to the game, you didn't see none of that. Not that's how, that's, that's, that's a respect for this guy, right? I'm thinking, whoa, Daichi, where's that come from in training? Like, and it's next to me. It's like I got it in the locker, Marv. I got it in the locker, son. I just don't. Know, I just don't want to use it. Just don't want to use it unless I have to. He said, "John Marv, now and again in the role that I do." you get a bit more of an in-depth interview, if you know what I mean. You know, most people yeah, just yeah, want yeah. to throw away clickbait. But now and again, they do like a piece on you. And I'd actually say to them, i go, what you, what you didn't, you know, people who know me, like, you remember Lee Glover, right? Me and Lee Glover. Yeah, grew yeah, up Glover, yeah, football. yeah. And Lee Glover, I tell people in interviews, they just laugh. Right? I, was, I was literally like a, a tricky little midfield player when I was young. So no, I, I, made a, I made a, yeah, I made a conscious decision to do the job that I did because I thought it had, it had enhanced my career. When I was at Chesterfield, right, and you're trying to get out of Chesterfield and climb the ladder, I thought, what's really going to get me noticed? In, in, the, in the third and second division in them days, you ain't getting noticed because you're doing drag backs on a, on a pitch that looks like it's black because of mud. You know, you're going to get noticed because you can lead and you can edit and you can defend. And you, So in the end, I just formed that. The lads at Mill used to buzz off there, Reedy and them, because I used to take free kicks and that would be left foot. And Reedy used to go, you can actually play with that really young, like voice you know like almost like yeah. surprise like yeah I know it's going yeah we've all had a past you know we all were that kid in the playground who could dribble through everyone you know what I mean and he used to wet himself laughing it's true yeah, I, made, I made a conscious decision to play the way I yeah. played because I thought it was effective Similarly, please yeah. tell me you still do that on the Burnley training ground do you get the ball every now and uh, again just go I've still got it boys I, I swear <laughs> to you I um when I finished playing I was properly done, right? I'd, I'd, I knew it, the fire was out, in me to play, that is, not to coach. And, and I've never played a game since the day I finished. And the, the, my last ever game in the first team, right, was Blackpool away for Northampton. It's a true story. I knew the fire had gone out. I rang my missus. I didn't even want to play. And I played. I gave away a penalty and scored an own goal and we lost forward. <laughs> what a way to finish your career. Your last oh, game. Wait, 
Well, Whoa. True unbelievable. Story. True story. And I knew it. I knew before the game, and I knew after. I just said to Jane, my missus, I just went, that's me done. And I knew it. I knew it. So I've never, ever played a single game of football since then. Played a couple of little, not with the, not with the players. I don't, I never joined in with players, but little staff, um, yeah. 5v5s and that. More, more when I was youth team player at Watford, a youth team coach at Watford. I right. joined in the odd time with the kids just to show them a, a drill or something. But that was it. I've never played a game since. And I, to be fair, my body shot it now. I've got arthritic toes and arthritic back and all that. So, so I couldn't play anyway. Yeah, true story. Okay. So do you think that was because you played so badly in that game or? No, no, no. I think before you, Marv will tell you. When or the was it your body out, or mentally or? No, when the fire's going out. No, I was in good shape. I was always in good shape. And when the fire's going out inside you about the passion and the, the edge, I call it. Once the edge drops. It's like, you know, the old... The easiest one, you know, that you know, the boxer when they talk about the eye of the tiger. Well, a version of that, not not like the same, but you know, when that edge of your performance drops and that edge you need to 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 really have that competitive spirit. For me, once that went out, that was me done. No, I couldn't I couldn't fraud myself and just some players seem to have this way of getting on, they nick another contract, they just carry on. They haven't really got that edge, but they carry on. I just couldn't do that. And I just thought, that's me done. I was 36, though. Don't get me wrong, I had a good innings. I mean, I had 20 years, you know, as a pro. So, don't get me wrong, I had a, I had a good good go at it. But no, I was ready. I, know, I, was I thought ready. you were 36 when you come to us. It's a fair one. I looked it. I moved like a 36-year-old, that's for sure. <laughs> left, left back. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Right. Right. Well, let's keep going. Left, left backs. Okay, so... Um, went to a couple of different clubs. I played on his way up the ladder as in his performances were getting noticed quick he had a toughness to him he could play um, and and actually from the time I played with him his career went on from strength to strength and become a really recognized you know high quality player and played a lot of football ended up playing goodness till he was 30 probably 8 39 and, and more or less always in the Premier League or the Championship I think virtually all of his career international Oh, I don't think I don't think so. No, actually, oh, don't no. think so. Well, that's my idea, Gone. I reckon I was on the same as you, Miles. Yeah, I don't think I got, he got close on a number of occasions. Unless I've got the country wrong, I might. No, I, no, I no. So. You this one? I was thinking of. You've already mentioned him. I thought, was he a midfielder? Lucas Neal was he a defender? No, so Lucas no. Neal. Lucas Neal played well. I played him right back, but he played midfield as well. Oh, I was going um, Ashley Young. No, no. I, believe it or not, I did play with Youngy, but he only played... People like him, you see, I class... When Marv asked about my team, I class players, I played with a lot, and they were, you know, formed players, if you like. Well, Ashley Young made his debut when I was playing at Watford. So he was just a young yeah, that's kid. What I, and that's what yeah. I thought. That's why I was going left-back. I thought, because I know he played left-back or left-wing. No, he, he played He played right, right side, uh, sort of like right-wing, left-wing when I was there. Oh, OK. Uh, this right. going to be tricky then. Um... Strong, strong player... Tough tackling, good athlete. Um, and, played, and played most of his career in the Premiership and Championship, yep. Yep, yep. You'd have definitely come across him, Marv, definitely, at some point or another. You played with him at Millwall? No, I played with him down at that team that you lot um not so keen on. That's the biggest oh. club, obviously. Oh. Um, I'm surprised you haven't got this one, because he's pretty, he had a good career. He moved Neil on. Ardley. Sorry? Neil Ardley? No, I, I'll tell you what, so he played at like, Made a real name for himself at West Brom. Played at Birmingham. Played at Watford, obviously. And I'm thinking, I've got, I've got, I haven't got it. Go on, I mean, go, no, on. go on. You're going to say it. Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Yeah. I played left back. Yeah, went from yeah. Watford to West Brom. Yeah. He was a steal. Yeah. 
because Watford needed the money at the time, he was a steal. He went for like 275 grand or something. You, you know, you knew then, you thought, that's a steal. Right, really yeah. good player. Could, you know, modern, at that time, like modern fullback could join in, yeah. was tough to defend, good athletically, um, and really forged his way and had a really good career. But he was um, he was a really good player, I thought. Robinson, I remember, I remember him. Like you said, I probably, yeah, definitely 100% would have played against him. Yeah, I just didn't, just like when it comes to that team down the road, I just, my mind goes blank. It just, it's like a fog. <laughs> oh, I know about all that. I had enough stick about that in my time. Okay, playing uh, for, you for three months, I still got that kind of, oh yeah, because you played for them lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, awesome. So let's move on to centre-backs. This is where I think we could have a bit more luck. Now, right, so what I've been, what I've Marv, is, I'm going to guess Marvin Johnson first one. Oh, stop. Well, he's played with... He's not, I don't, he's, not, he's not one of those ones to be putting people in there just because of the, his, his heartstrings are being pulled out. Daichi's not like that. No, it's a fair one. You're not in it, Marv. So what no. I would say is this. Um, what I've done with this, instead of putting myself in it, of course, because I would, Marv knows that, and Marv, <laughs> I have put two other centre-halves who I played with, Okay. So we'll start on the right side. So the right side centre half for me um, went on to be an international footballer. Um, had a number of clubs which he did well at. He started with me because you need a clue on this one because he started yeah. quite lower level and then a crew I think it was and we got him out of crew at Chesterfield. So that was where I played with him. I know about three anyway, players came out of crew. Here's another clue. He was one of the very early days, the first year of the Bosman ruling. He got a you know decent move at that time from Chesterfield to the rivals down the road again. Really? Oh no! So uh, I want to say Micah Hyde, but wasn't he upset? Was he a defender or midfielder? Yeah, no, he's a no, midfielder. He's a midfielder. Centre back from Chesterfield down the road. Gone. Go on. No, this is this Mark is Williams. You know Mark Williams? Oh, yes. He, 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 he wasn't it. He, he played for um, Ireland as well, didn't he? Did he play for Ireland? No, it was, uh, no, it was, uh, I thought it was Wales. I think I'm pretty sure it was Wales. What? Wales. Well, then Williams. It's going to be Wales. Yeah. So Wales. he was, he was uh, yeah, he moved He moved from Chesterfield the first year of the Bosman. He moved to Watford under Graham Taylor when they were in the Premier League. Um, he moved on to Wimbledon as well. Had a good career. Solid, reliable, strong, you know, tough. He had a toughness yeah. about him. But not not like, um, I don't mean a toughness like uh, booting people, not that kind of toughness. No. Or that, you know, but just a toughness in his, his defending money, you know what I mean? But yeah, again, yeah. A, a, few of these, a few of these, you know, people who are watching this, you've got to remember these are, these are not, I, mean, I could have chose names, if you know what I mean. Not you know, course, I played, no. so say like Neil Cox was a really good player. Neil Cox played at like, Wimbledon, um, Middlesbrough and Villa yeah. and people like that. What the point is, I was trying to pick people who, when I played with them, I thought we had a yeah. real connection. You know, and at that time, me and Mark Williams, we were a part of the team that got to the FA Cup semi-final at Chesterfield and all that sort of stuff, you know. So we formed a real strong partnership. So that's why I put together some of these guys, like Lloyd Doyle. You know, I played with Lucas yeah. Neal. I thought he was an incredible footballer. But when you played with Lloyd Doyle, you respected him way more than it would just be a name on a bit of paper. You know what I mean? Right. Of course. So and that's, that's the way I, how we would like it to be done. That's fantastic. Well done. And then playing next yeah. to him on the left-hand side, centre-back, would be uh, a player, yet again, formed a good relationship on pitch with particularly. I thought another one who I thought a few of these players who I thought maybe a little bit underrated. Um, been a, started a big club at Tottenham. And then kind of 
drifted from there, you know, around. Um, I made a real good relationship with him at Millwall in a very successful side at that time. Nethercott? Yes. Stuart yes. Nethercott. Oh, well done, Andrew. Yes. Well done. So well he done, was Andrew. been at Tottenham and, uh, you know, come out of Tottenham, went to Millwall. Um, I went into Millwall and, you know, I'd, I'd had a really good time at Luton, went into Millwall. My back, which had caused me a lot of problems at Bristol City, went again. So my first year at Millwall was scuppered by injuries. In fact, funny enough, I played my one and only game for Millwall that season was at Luton. I got back after three months with a disc in my back, played my first game at Luton, and then the next week my back went again for the second time. So I virtually had a year out. And, oh. <clears throat> excuse me. And it was, a, yeah, it was a nightmare. And people like Stewie Nevercott, I thought very underrated, you know. Wouldn't Marv, you'll have heard it all before. They'll say, no, he weren't this, he weren't that, he weren't quick and all this. Right. But I tell you, you know, you played alongside him. <clears throat> Excuse me, he's a really good defender. Better, a better player for doing, I would say, do the simple stuff well. He did the simple yeah. stuff really well. Not the biggest, but was could edit. He was aggressive. And he was mad as a box of frogs, which made it even funnier. <laughs> so, you know, he literally mad as a box of frogs, which always made me laugh. Couldn't go to it, couldn't room with him because he, he used to want the cur- curtains open at night. He couldn't sleep with the curtains closed. And really? I was so mad, but, but so funny. The lads used to buzz off him. So, uh, yeah, so Stewie Nevercott, very underrated in my opinion, and a good yeah. pro and, uh, and did, you know, did the job right, I thought. I remember him as a kid, he used to have massive curtains, didn't he? Kind of blonde yeah, right, yeah. or big angels' wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. actually. He did play a bit for Tottenham, but he had some, you know, it was a good side then. It was a hard Tottenham side to get into, and he, he did play a bit at Tottenham. But just, yeah, again, I thought he was underrated. Um, so, yeah, that's my keeper on my back four. So, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Of those two, who would you rather play with if you sit next to yourself? Oh, uh, well, probably, oh, I don't know, actually. Probably, I could, I could say either different characters, different types of players. Probably just because I was playing at a higher level with Stuart Nevercott at that time. We got in the championship and we were very close to getting promoted. We made the playoffs against Birmingham, um, lost in the playoffs semi-final, as it were, type thing. So, probably him just because I, you know, I played at a higher level in a different stage of my career. Um, so, yeah, probably, probably Stuart Nevercott. But I did mention him. I think... Neil Cox was a really good player, a really good player, Neil Cox. So, but different type of reason why I've put these guys in. But, but Neil Cox was a really good player. If it went on just football talent, then I'd probably say Neil Cox because he could play Cox. He was a real good player. Very interesting. So, Daishi, just want to take you back to um, when you were saying about you as a little nippy midfielder and stuff. So, you start off at Forest. Now, how did that come about? Was that something which you had aspirations of wanting to be a, a professional football player as a kid or it was a case where you just got spotted and someone so like yeah I was uh yeah so I started at Nottingham Forest when I was in 87 and that was in the Clough area uh, era sorry but I was I was a midfield player more of a you know pastor um and I, I really got scouted you know because Kettering let's face it it's not hub of football Kettering but but luckily I was I was in a good side at that time for our district as it was then Scouts were all around it. I was I got picked up by a few different clubs. I, you remember Marvel? You would remember actually. You're old enough, but so say like um, that time. I don't remember. Knox County had a really good youth system. They were renowned for their youth system, yeah. even more so than Forest. And I started at Knox County as about twelve or thirteen years old. That was the first club I ever got scouted for. And then I went to Leicester and the likes, and Villa and all that. And then Forest came along. And I had a real good connection who became a big friend of mine, still is, is Gary Charles, and I had a real good connection with him. You know, you go to a... In them days, right, you go on trial, Marvel, no, you go on trial, and you kind of just get lobbed in like a, 
Luca local uh, hotel or whatever, and you meet these other kids. And me and Charles yeah. used to always go on. Um, so that was a little bit. And the other team that I was close signing for was, was Chelsea. Um, as a kid, not the Chelsea is now, obviously, it was a different animal then. But I really loved it at Forest, and I, and I never regret it. I had, I still love Nottingham. It's really close to my heart. I, it's, a, it's a place that I would move to tomorrow. If someone said to me, where do you want to live? I'd say Nottingham right. every time. Because my heartstrings are still there from when I, you know, you got to remember, well, Marvel tell you, when you're an apprentice, it's a really important time in your life, that sort of apprentice to young pro period. So I was in Nottingham from sort of 16 years old to about 24 years old. So they're my formative years, not just on the pitch as a, as a bloke, you know, as a human growing up and maturing. I absolutely love Nottingham and I'd move there tomorrow if I could. Um, so I've always had that connection. Yeah, I've always had that that's connection. That's what I was going to say. Which, which apprentices that you were with, who else went on to have a career similar to yourself? Yeah, well, Gary Charles? The, the, the absolute Rolls Royce for me was Gary Charles. I thought he was an yeah. absolute Rolls Royce. As a young kid, you just thought, well, you are miles in front of everyone. You know, his pace, his awareness, his... You could more or less play him in any position in the youth team and he'd be top man. You put right. him in goal, he'd probably be brilliant in goal. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, Lee Glover, of course. Lee Glover was one of the youngest Oops. ever footballers for Nottingham Forest, got in the first team at 16. So I was from a good good couple of years. Steve Stone, who's now one of my coaches here, me and him are big mates. Um, we were apprentices together. Um, yeah, we had, we had a good few years there where, I mean, a few went into the game and then drifted off like they do. You know, had a couple of years here and there yeah. playing. Um but no, we had, a, we had a real strong couple of years there. And the, 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 the age group just above me was like Mark Crossley. Just above that was Terry Wilson and Steve Chettle. And there was a real good group around that time. It was a great, it was a great place. I loved, I loved it on the pitch with what I was doing. And I just loved Nottingham as a place. So it was really, you know, really important time for me that period. And I, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wouldn't change it for the world, that's for sure. Great. Yeah, excellent. So what we'll do is we're going to pause there, um, have a little break from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll hear from the rest of Sean Dyche's best 11. Support for My Best 11 Pod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is trusted by 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. So you can get 20% off and a free shipping with the code... My best living pod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code of my, my best living pod. Your balls will thank you for it. So we're back for part two of our episode with Sean Dyche picking his best 11. So far, uh, we have Alec Chamberlain, Lloyd Doyley, uh, Paul Robinson, Mark Williams, and Stuart Nethercott. So we'll start off looking at the wings or the right midfielders, um, whichever one, whichever side you prefer to start, Sean. Yeah, so I'll start on the right. Um, the a player that played um, with me in a side when he was 16 years old, which is kind of why he gets in there, because I just think that's outstanding in itself, went on to have an amazing career, a total amazing career. I'll put him in on the wide because he started there, but he ended up being a centre forward. Um Strong, Mars nodded, Marv knows, I think. Strong, quick, another one who was underrated because people thought he was a bit of a bully of a player, but he had way more than that. Um, and and uh, just, just even looking about that, you know, and you just know, you think, you know, you're 16 and you're playing men's football. And Marv will tell you, that, that Division One, Division Two. well, it was then Division Two, Division Three, whatever it was called, yeah. tough leagues, you know, really tough leagues. 
And I saw this young kid and I thought, wow, 16, you're playing men's football. And we were relying on him. We're looking at him thinking, no, we were relying on you. We weren't mollycoddling him. You know, we were relying on him as a, as a man, really, to play. And I thought he was outstanding. You got it, Andrew? Yeah, go on, Marv. Kevin Davis? Yeah. He, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a, like a, a tough, tough-minded kid. Um, I just couldn't believe it. He came on, he came on the scene out of sort of nowhere. We'd heard about the youth team, you know, and he was doing well. And John Duncan, the manager, was almost like, yeah, I'm having him, put him in. And at first, you know, you think, well, you know, we had a hardy group then. There was like Darren Carr, Nicky Law, myself, you know, a real hardened group. And he just took it on. Honestly, I just thought, it was no surprise to me at all. In fact, the only surprise to me, he didn't go earlier. I thought he'd move earlier because he ended up going to really? Southampton. Oh, God, yeah. He ended up going to Southampton for 750000 Um, And I don't know if you remember, his first year or so at Southampton, he was awesome. Um, yeah. He scored a couple of famous goals where he dribbled from the halfway line all the way through and smashed it in the corner and all that. I'd tell you, he's a really good player. And for all they sort of, in the end of his career, it was almost like, you know, Sam Allardyce, a bit of a bully and all that, you know, as a player. I'm telling you, he could yeah. play. He was tough, though. He was tough. And he was tough as a kid. And I still see him now and again, you know, now, and like Marv was saying earlier, it's great because you just click into gear like that. You know, yeah. and I talked as if, you know, called him, we, we used to call him, because he, he always carried a bit of puppy facts. He was young. So we used to call him Jelly, as in Jelly Ass. So even now I still go, all right, Jell, you know what I mean? And he just laughs because he like, you know, no one ever calls him that, you know what I mean? No one's ever called him that in like 30 years. And you go, all right, Jell. He's like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people go, why are you calling him Jell? I go, it's Jelly Ass. That's why. You know what I mean? Just silly little things <laughs> like that. The Marvel Day, you know, these old silly little quips, they all come to when you see people. But top right, player, a really, really good lad as well. Really good lad. Got a lot of time for him. What was he like around the training ground? I mean, he he came across. I mean, like I say, most people have heard of him, um, particularly at the end of his career, starting to get yeah, one or two England caps. I think he got in the end. Um, he was the oldest, he got, the oldest ever player to get an England cap. Like thirty. Yeah. Sorry, guys, you was what? I think he was the oldest ever player to get an England cap. An England, you know, uh, first yeah, cap. Yeah. I think it was like really? thirty-one. Or yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. What, what was he like? Was he, did he show leadership when he was growing up? Or no, no, do you know what? He was quite a quiet lad. Um, just just part of the group, went under the radar, just strong-minded. You just knew he was tough-minded. You know, yeah. like I say, another one, he wasn't tough. I don't mean running around booting people. I mean just a you tough mean that, character. Mental. You know, the way he was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really tough character, yeah. Um, a lot, lot of respect for him and the career he had, of course. And, you know, he, 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 he sort of fell away from it a little bit. And then Sam Allardyce famously got him fit and got him going again. And he never looked back. And his career was always on the up from then on in. But no, I'll tell you, when you work with these guys, you know, I thought, what a player. Yeah. And, and, you, and obviously you work quite a bit with youth players at the moment. Do you think that, I mean, we've spoken about it on this podcast a few times with other, other managers. We've had uh, Steve Robinson... Graham Alexander, people like that on here. And we talk about the the mental toughness. Do youngsters still have it or are they, um, do they not have it anymore? Is it their fault? Is it not their fault? What are your kind of thoughts on that at the moment? I mean, you obviously have quite a lot to do with Burnley young kids. Do you think that mental toughness is still there where you could get where we call them jelly ass? Not you as a manager, but you know what I mean? That type of thing. No, you've got, you got to remember that, <clears throat> excuse me, that was, that was the in-house within the group. Different... And Marv, I'll tell you, the, the thing that's changed in our careers, and some good, some not so good, is that dressing room banter was, was hard, hard internally. But if anyone come from outside your group to inside, oh, no, they're getting, they're getting shooed off, let's say. So you could say what you wanted to your mates inside of your group, but people come from the outside on a night out or anything, no, 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 that ain't happening. You know what I mean? They ain't joining in. 
So it was like this unwritten code, you know, and I think that's died down a little bit. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think it was good that the mentality of the group was an important factor in our successes in our day. Um, that being said, look, the academy process has been brilliant for so many people in so many ways. The facilities, the, the uh, educational side of it, the football education as well. The downside is it's it's too pure, it's too mollycoddled, it's too system oriented. You know, the the players about gaming wants immediate feedback from the coach. So guess what? He feels better. He goes home and gets on his PlayStation. Well, in our day, we got absolutely ripped a new one, and it took me two days just to work it all out, and then to get your confidence back up to go back in. It builds resilience. Now, my point is, I'm not saying we want to go back to that. But we've got to just find a better balance, I believe, in, in all of what we do with these young players. A bit more, I call it push and pull. You know, pull back enough to allow them room to breathe and a bit of feedback and give them some education, but push them hard enough where they know what the truth of being a professional footballer is. Because the thing that people forget when you, these young players, right, so they bring them up through the academy system and, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't do this. You're not allowed to do that. not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to clean boots. You can't clean, you know, anything, right? But... We then want them to go out in front of 50,000, get absolutely slaughtered, and then get on their phone and get slaughtered on their phone as well. And you go, well, how are you going to build that resilience if they can't even handle exactly. cleaning a pair of boots once in a while? You know, so I think there's just a, there's a balance. And I think we've gone, football's gone too far towards this total fluid education. And it's kind of, they've almost drawn out of these youngsters, the, 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 the feel and the desire of what it is, you know, to just work and be a professional and the hits you have to take, you know, the, the mental hits you have to take. And, and they've almost pulled that out of people. So some people have it naturally. We all know that. Some of the best players, they've just got this natural toughness. So they don't need that. But what about some of the players who are sitting on that knife edge? You can actually almost talk them out of it by mollycoddling them too much, they actually need a bit of toughness. They need a bit of a push. So I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm quite passionate about that because I think the game's gone too far with it. I really do. I think they've got to drag it back a little bit and start getting these kids. You know, it's the old favourite. <clears throat> Something I'm renowned for as a manager is doing, they call it Gaffer's Day in pre-season. It started with the youth team at Watford where some of the coaches, the late Dick Bate, who's a friend and, and a great coach, and David Dodds who were there, they said they're not working hard enough. And I said, well, they don't know how to work hard. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, they've never been worked hard enough to know what hard work is. You don't know what you don't know. So I used to run them. And I mean run them. I mean run them until it hurt them. And then I used to explain it afterwards. I used to get them in a room and go, right, how did that feel? And they'd start telling you. And they'd start going, wow, I've never felt anything like that. I said, yeah, well, that's hard work. That's how hard work feels. So... It's like an education through the reality of what the life in football is going to offer you. Because if you're prepared to do that hard work, I'll tell you, you'll get found out and you'll have a three-year career and they'll be playing non-league or something. Whereas if you want to stay in the game properly all the time, you've got to stay fit. You've got to know, you've got to be able to handle the knocks. So I think there's a process that could be better. So I think it's out of kilter at the minute. I totally agree with you, Daiji. And I, I, that, what you just said there, I call it tough love. I mean, yeah, I, I coach I coach girls, and that that hard work, I run them every single session, and they know Ooh. it's coming every single session. But I said, girls, the, you're you're uncomfortable, you feel sick, you have this little voice in your brain telling you that oh, this is too hard. I want to get, but listen, don't listen to it. Right? You'll get yeah. used to this, right? And you'll get fitter, and you'll soon see the difference now in games when we are running over teams, literally in the last 15, 20 minutes, and they've just got used yeah. to it now. Yeah, resilience. So you, you, you have to work at resilience. It's not, it's not something that I don't believe you can just read it in a book and suddenly you're resilient. 
you have to know how is it meant for you. You have to build it within yourself. And I think there's a lot of that. And I just think, like I say, not going all the way back to the, you know, the stuff that we did when you just ran until you were sick. I don't mean that type of stuff. I mean, that building process of letting your body know this is the truth of hard work. And when you've got it in you, you know it subliminally. And when you need it, and again, it'll be there for you. You can deliver yeah. it. So, and I still do that same process with the first team players at Burnley. Every preseason, we do the manager's day. And other managers have asked me about it. It's really funny, you know. Gary Rower, I remember Gary Rower, right? He said to me, he said, Dodge, he said, I've heard you do this like Gaffer's Day. And I was going, yeah. And he went, yeah, but I've heard like you just get them on the clock for two hours and they just they just keep working. Anything you say, they have to do. And I, yeah. And he was going, no way. No way. I go, yeah, it's true. And he was going, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I went, yeah, that's what I do. And I said, I don't even flinch. I go, there's no argument. I just go, you're doing it. And I said, if you don't want to do it, help yourself. Just pull out now. Go in the treatment room. Help yourself. But Marvel will tell you, the beauty of them days is once you've done it and you lock it in with all your teammates, it's there and you buzz off it. All of that buzz off it. Once it's done, they're going, oh, wow, that was unbelievable. You know, it's just the trepidation and the anxiety. But that's what yeah. I'm about. For young players, they've got to feel that. They've got to feel that thing that it is. You know, that demand, the truth of what it is to be a professional sportsman. And some of them just don't get it. And they, they drift out the game, needlessly, in my opinion, because they've yeah. just never been educated in what it really feels like to really work hard. So who of your current playing group that you're a manager of, who do you think secretly looks forward to those manager days? Yeah, I know what you mean. There's always a few competitive ones with the challenge. You know, Marvel <laughs> yeah. There's always a few runners and riders who... Marvel say the funniest thing in pre-season that we used to love in my, my generation, if you like, people that come back after the close season, they go... I've done nothing. I ain't done nothing. I ain't done nothing. They'll be at the front by about like a mile and you'd be going, yeah, right, of course you haven't done nothing. And it's like this weird <laughs> secret kind of code, you know, like I'm getting, getting 15 in the beat test or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I've been on the treadmill for six weeks and they're making out they've yeah. been eating burgers for six weeks and been to Magala for five, you know. And then they go, you start the running, they'll be miles at the front. So, yeah. you know, you get that kind of weirdness to, now it's different now, don't know, the players look after themselves more. But yeah, we got a few here. I take it on. They know it's coming now, so they they just like take it on. Absolutely take it on. And I and I'm guessing now, Daisy. I mean, because you'll probably get this from the results from what you do with the obviously the heart mantras and the fitness stuff. No one literally goes away at the end of the season, does nothing, and comes back a player. In, oh, I'm no. thinking now, no one can. You couldn't do that now. No, no chance in a million well, years. No. Our players, right? It's it's the weirdest thing in football. We have like a, say a six week preseason. And actually, they're probably fit in four days because they're so high fitness level now. Right. That within four or five days, it's more about just getting the brain and the body realigned because they're fit. They're just kind of, you know, silly things, Marv, you know, like soft toes and that. You know, you've been off and you've been running, you're running shoes. You get like soft toes. So when you're kicking yeah. them all after about a week, your toes feel like they're going to fall off, you know. So them little things. It's more the detail in the planning now, you know, the technical and tactical side. That's the bit that's important in pre-team because these lads come back really fit, really fit already. Yeah, I can imagine. No. All right. So anyway, we digress. Sorry, left left midfielder. So okay, we'll jump over to the left side. So a player, um, young player I play with, still a, a big friend of mine today. Um, trust him as a bloke as well as a footballer. Tough, but could play. Had a great career. Big clue, but I think it's fair to give you one. Um, he started with me because there was a number of good players. They started, or I started playing with him at Millwall as a young player. He was in the first team, very young, eighteen. Went on to have a fantastic career and. Tough, but but could play as well. Was was he uh, in Irish international? Yes. Oh, and, Nick, and his nickname because of that, because obviously he's not the most Irish person you'd ever meet. No. As well. Have you got it? 
Have you got it, um, Andrew? I was going to go for an Aussie. I was going to go Aussie. Should this guy, until I mean, you until you said Irish, I was going to go um, Timmy Cahill. And it, well, it, loosely, loosely Irish, as we we give yeah. a bit of stick about it. But I might not, I might not have it right. Actually, did he go to Liverpool as well? No, that was Lucas Neal. Lucas Neal went to Liverpool. I thought this one was wrong. He played. Oh, he went to the Premier League though. Don't get me wrong. Played lots of games in the Premier League. Well, I'm going to say it then because it could be wrong. Um, Mark Kennedy. Oh no, no, I missed him. I missed him at Millwall. Stephen Reid. Yes. Tottenham. Is he Tottenham? Did he end up at Tottenham? Is that right? Stephen O'Reid because he was the least sort of Irish player that you could imagine and he used to love it. He used to buzz off it. Um, No, what a player. Brilliant lad as well. Real real big friend of mine in football. Still is. Um, I I got him right at the end of his career. I brought him into Burnley more for the education of the group because he'd been around the Premier League a long time. Honestly, as a young player, I was very fortunate at Millwall. Um, I told you there was like me and Stuart never caught some of the older players, but some of these young lads coming through. Two, I just mentioned it just because I think they deserve it, but there was two young players who would have, I'm sure, had great careers. Centre-half called Joe Dolan, who had the worst injuries I've ever seen. He had two broken, uh, no, a broken leg and two cruciates, almost back-to-back. And Richard Sadlier. Richard Sadlier, what a player he was going to be. Yeah. Tall, tough, could run, handful, and unfortunately had a hip injury that cost him. Um, and then two, amongst other players there, Stephen Reid being one of them, Lucas Neal and I mean, they were top. You know, you just knew it as soon as I saw them. I mean, Division One at the time, by the way. Honestly, I went to Millwall and I was like, oh my goodness. I thought, we'll, we'll absolutely run away with this. And weirdly, we didn't the first year, but the second year we did. We, we, you know, smashed the division and no wonder. But what a player. Could play about five different positions. Tough. You know, ended up playing right back. He played, when I played with him, he played left-sided Sort of like a tucked in sort of wide man, really. Um, could play right, could play right back. Honestly, fantastic athlete and, a, and just a brilliant pro. And still is, still is a brilliant pro now. Excellent. So what was he called? So you said he was called O'Reed, did he? And he said he took the banter quite well, though. No, it's, well, it's just the old old Irish joke, isn't yeah. it? You know, you've got O in front of their name. You know what I mean? O'Reilly, Where was O'Reed. he born? Where was he born then? London? Uh, yeah, like Kingston upon Thames or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Battersea <laughs> or something like that. Brilliant. <laughs> He's the buzz off it because he's now with Steve Clark in the Scottish squad. So that's buzz off that as well. You know what I mean? Jake, Jake Scottish names and that, you know what I mean? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said tartan through and through and all that. You know what I mean? We were like, you used to say about the Irish squad you were through and through. And he, yeah, not a problem. You know what I mean? Great lad. Great lad. Fantastic. So I'll move on to central midfield. Yep. So, right. So a, a, a div- I've kind of gone like, to give you a clue, I've kind of gone defensive midfielder and attacking midfielder. So this is more of a defensive midfielder. Um, solid, reliable, very calm manner as a as a sort of person, but very competitive. Come through the lower, had to work harder his career. Come through the lower levels of football. Um, tough, good physically, good style, good stature. Um, very, very good. And matured later in his career, actually. You know, the, the steady early career, lower leagues, and then when he got to where I played with him just kept going and going and going. Uh, the biggest clue is uh, he's another one, unfortunately, he was down the road with me when I was down the road. You've definitely played against him, Marv, without a shadow of a doubt. You might even know him because, you know, our past... I probably, I, probably, I probably do, but like I said, that team down the road, my mind goes blank. It gets cloudy. It gets really, like, foggy. My, yeah, my brain gets foggy. I'm, all right, you tried that one. All right, everyone knows, Marv. <laughs> Matty Spring. No, it's a good shout, though, because he did cross over, didn't he? He, he crossed over, over yeah. 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 I play with Matty and um, with Marv. I play with Matty and with Marv. The same, is, it, is it the same sort of like age? Are we looking at the springy? No, uh, slightly older. Oh. Tough, yeah. good, good physically. Tough, 
Oh, oh, got promoted when they got uh, promoted under Andy Boothroyd, a really important player in that season when they got promoted to the Premier League and then played in the Premier League under Andy Boothroyd. I'd left by then, obviously. Where did Tommy Smith play? Was he a striker? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Tommy Wide, striker. Mm. Ah. I haven't got it. I, I probably will get it when you Tommy say... Would have, Tommy would have made my side on the right side, but I just thought with Kevin Davis, I just thought, you know. So the player Go is... Go on. Gavin Gavin Martin. Was he at Tranmere? No, Gavin Martin was with me at Watford. He was... Um, All right, Martin. Where did he go? He was, uh, he was at Hereford as a youngster. I think he might have gone through okay. Brentford or something like that. But Gavin, Gavin Martin, Martin at Watford particularly was, I mean, another one, team player, underrated, fit, strong, could play more than people thought. He had a brilliant season the season Watford got promoted to the Premier League under Boothroyd, Andy Boothroyd, and then was one of the better performers in the Premier League, which is difficult, obviously. Yeah. Um, no, when you play with these guys, you know, another one I thought, what a good player you are. Could read it, was strong, was tough, could play, did all the basics well. And he said he was defense, he was a box-to-box midfielder, though. Well, more defensive, he'd screen, he'd work, he'd work from behind the ball more, not so much, you know, big on the goal scoring side, but big on the team play side. Good yeah. leader. Those people, the those people haven't heard of him before. Who would you liken him to in the modern day game? Oof, I don't really know. Um, because obviously the game's changing all the time. I don't really know, but just um, uh, it's hard to imagine who would. Well, say like uh, the role that maybe a Matic plays. He's not the same type of player, but you know, Matic, he's more working behind the ball, good in front of the defence, can clean things up, good physically, you know, covers the yardage, more that style of player. Back in the day, something like what Michael Essien did, that type of thing. That type of thing, yeah. Break it up, give it, you know, simple, but do a really good team job. Yeah. Story Marv. No, I was going to say about uh, central midfield, I mean, you signed um, Joey Barton, um, who, who, who a lot of people could say was is a difficult character. But I think one of the biggest things for me, not knowing Joey Barton or, or anything like that, is that you as a person, Daishi, would be straight down the line. And that, I'm just guessing now something that Joey Barton would like rather than being told a lot of Yes, to be fair, by a manager say, yeah, I want to sign you, blah, 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 and then literally go back on their word and say, well, look, I didn't, I didn't want to get you here, but now it's going to be this way. I think it, it worked, didn't it? Basically, it worked with you and, and Joey, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, it's spot on. He, he's, um, he's an interesting character, but in a good way. I met him in my house, because um, it was too obvious we'd get spotted somewhere. So mm-hmm. he came up to my house in Northampton. Um we had about three hours. Um, and you're exactly right, Marv. I just told him the absolute truth as I saw it, warts and all, but told him the positive truths of what I believed he could be for us and how important it would be. Um, had a bit of lunch with him, liked what he had to say, very knowledgeable. He's a very knowledgeable football guy. He, he knows about tactics, he knows about players, fantastic knowledge, actually, of players. Um, he shares views with you. And I told him exactly that, Marv. You're spot on. I just said, listen, Joey, the thing is I'm incapable of BS. You won't be getting any of that. I'm going to tell you the truth. And he can take the truth, Marv. You can speak to him in a really blunt manner. He doesn't cry about it. He'll just go, yeah, okay. You know, he'll accept it. And really, I think the clincher was, I said to him, um, I said, look, Joey, I said, I've got to be honest. The thing is about you, you think you know everything about everything. And I said, there can't be two of us in the building, man. So that was the bit. (laughs) uh, And he just burst out laughing. And I could tell it. I just thought, yeah, he's in. And... uh, so we shared a few truths about what I thought, and he was absolutely terrific. I mean, he even had a few of my, my sort of leading pros here, like Ben, me, and Tommy. And you know that one where they go, Gaffer? You know, I'm not sure on that one, you know what I mean? Within two or three weeks, they were all over him. They were like, yeah, 
he'll fit us without a shadow of a doubt. He was professional. He was honest. He was different class for us on the pitch. I'll tell you now. People were trying to boot him to wind him up, get him involved with things. Stayed solid as a rock. He was that season. We signed him and Andre Graham. Without them two signings, we wouldn't have got re-promoted. It gave us a, it gave us something different. It gave us a spark and it gave everyone a lift again. And uh, right. he was he was outstanding for us. Andre Gray. You keep mentioning all these people who played for both clubs. It's actually a lot, isn't it? Yeah, these are lately though. These are not the ones back. In. Yeah, we got to remember that. No, just put your mind to that though. Don't forget a lot of these players was my top level. I played it was the championship. So it's fair yeah. to say you're probably going to be playing with your top level players that you played with because they were in the championship and they were good players. You know what I mean? Some, some, yeah. and a lot of what I've mentioned, by the way, of course, even the ones you wouldn't know as much. Paul Robinson played in the Premier League regularly. Mark Williams played in the Premier League regularly. Lloyd Doyley played in the Premier League a few times. Well, you know, a couple of seasons. Alec Chamberlain did. Kev Davis did. You know, they've all had their time. You know what I mean? They, they're some good players. Not big names, but good players. Trust me. Oh, yeah, I mean, is in the play for both Luton and Watford. That's what Luton I mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, yeah, there's yeah. actually a lot of people who've swapped over both clubs. That's, and you don't yeah. realise it as fans. Yeah. Taishi did, Springy did, Alex did. I mean, I mean, like you said, then Andre Gray. I mean, there's quite a few when you think about it. Yeah. Yes, sadly. Um, okay, right, so attacking one. let's go. Let's go with the attacking. So, right, this is my personal best player. For different reasons, I argue the best player I played with. Um, I always describe to people that if in Marvel team, in, in like small sided games in training, if he's on your team, you're going to win virtually every day. Um, he's fantastic athlete before his time, I believe, as an athlete. I was amazed he didn't move earlier, but he got injured at a really important time, which stopped him moving, I believe. Went on and had a fantastic career in, um, in the Premier League um, from his start club, which was with me at Millwall. Oh, international oh. footballer. You mentioned him already, haven't you? I think I've mentioned him. Probably will. Oh, did you? did he go to Everton? Yes. And he's from my oh. neck of the woods over here. He is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Timmy Cahill. Tim, Tim yeah, I mean, Timmy, Timmy, when I went to, he was very young. He was, he was 17, 18, borderline. High, high talented group of youngsters, which I've mentioned with Stephen Reid and and, and, and some heroes, Robbie Ryan and, and, you know, Dave Livermore in midfield and these guys. Yeah. I'm telling you, I thought, what a player he is. What a player. And, and at young age, I was amazed. You know, I thought, I mean, now I think it had been bought within six months. And I played there for a couple of seasons. And I saw him developing. I saw him in training. I'm telling you now, he could score off either foot. Brilliant nice. athlete. Could head it, could head it as well as anyone I've seen. And there's one other player who makes my team who was the only one I've ever seen had it like him. Um, athletically good, could play either foot, by the way, could play, good decision maker, real winner's kind of desire. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about him as a player. I mean, he, he's arguably one of the best players i played with, I think, because when you see him at club close, I personally think, as a young player, I thought, what a player. And I, and I similar with, I must say, Stephen Reid was like that. When he was young, I thought, cool, what a player he is, you know what I mean? Um, Rolls-Royce, I thought, to me. And he went on and obviously done fantastic things for, for Australia, you know, the, the Roos and stuff like that. Fantastic things for Everton. And, you know, had a full career carried on playing. He likes 37, 38. So, uh, yeah, he's, 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 that's a good midfield, that, I'd say. One who's going to oh, do... You, sort of you, hit the nail, you, yeah. you hit the nail on the head by saying he wouldn't, he wouldn't be around as long as he was at that Millwall in this day and age. He was scoring oh. goals for fun. He? Oh, he, he, was. Would not, he would he not was like, be around he, he as... 
I mean, you don't see it anymore, Marvel. Very rarely no. you get players who attack the box from midfield. He would attack the box. He like had a radar. Telling you, he'd just see it and he'd set off. And, and I was playing behind him. So I used to see him set off and I used to, I used to almost be thinking, here, here it comes. He's going to score. It was like, you just thought he's going to yeah. go right behind the box and score. Honestly, arriving in the box, poof, as good as I've seen. No wonder David Moyes used to have, well, David Moyes, if you remember, had yeah. Fellaini up there and he'd almost say to Simi Carroll, just, you just keep arriving in the box. Yeah. Even Timmy would get like, I know it doesn't sound a lot, but in Premier League, well, Timmy would get like, I don't know, like eight, 10, 12 a season. I mean, that's yeah. amazing for a midfielder in the Premier League. You look now, there's not many midfielders scoring like that in the Premier League, I tell you. Especially that aren't no. set pieces. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they're they're set pieces arriving, to get to that stage. Arriving from yeah. midfield, that's not, not a number 10. He was playing in midfield, yeah. arriving from midfield. Different if you're a number 10, that's different. The only one I can remember back in the day, like similar, would be David Platt. A right, like a, a midfielder yeah. arrived. No, it's a good shout. It's a good shout, yeah. David you Platt. Know, both players kept it quite simple. Timmy wasn't yeah. doing flicks and tricks all the time. He was just doing the, the basic, good, high-level basics, I call it. Doing the basic things, but doing them top class. They're what a yeah. player. Great and he's, he's, he's an absolute legend over here um, in Australia. He's, I mean, he's seen he as... Didn't he go for the record in the last World Cup? Couldn't he have made it the only player to score in four World Cups or yeah, something like yeah. that? Yeah, and he scored some amazing diving headers in Brazil mm. and scored one against the Dutch um, from yeah. outside the box. Um, I think some people remember. And I, I remember him playing for Everton and he scored, and as you talking about running in from the back post, I remember him steaming in the back post in the 119th minute and winning it in extra time for him in the oh, some League Honestly. Cup game or Carling Cup game or something. I can't describe to you how good as a young player. He was like 18, 19, playing in first team, playing in men's football. In a yeah. side that, you know, at the end of the day, we were in a side that were pushing from Rosen. It did. We won the title that year. And I just thought, I thought this kid's going to go all the way. And I just couldn't believe how Nona had come in quickly, you know. Yeah. And he seemed to drag on. And then he did his knee. And typically a Timmy, he come through a cruciate as if it was nothing and got playing again and then got a move to Everton. And I just thought, what a player. And I'm surprised he never went on to play for some of the the top, top, top. Because Everton were kind of a fifth place shoeing every year, weren't they, back then? I'm surprised he never yeah, made it still, or at least had a chance you know, to go. Well, going back to Joey Barton, though. So, Joey Barton, he, he had some funny things. So, people used to say, you know, like, Joey Barton, he's a bog-standard Premier League player. Joey Barton said, I'd take a bog-standard Premier League player any day of the week. You know, he's <laughs> like, people forget how hard it is to play in the Premier League. And people like Timmy Cale, my point is, like you just suggested, he didn't really go to the superpowers. But he's in a team that were finishing in Europe and that at Everton. Trust me, to be in them clubs, you've got to be some player to play as often yeah. as he did. I mean, he'd be first name down on the team sheet for like five seasons or whatever. Top player. Yeah, top player. Very true. So we're going to strikers. You mentioned you're playing a number 10 because you weren't sure if you were playing 4 4 one, one. Well, four, I mean, nowadays it's all the modern jumbo land. You know, they've always been players who come off the front. Marvel Tay, you know, they've got four for one floating number nines. It's all nonsense, by the way. So, you sound, like, Mike, you sound like Mike Newell doing this. Here we Newly. go. Go on, Marv. Explain, the, explain what happened with Mike Newell. Really? I mean, I know you're a busy man, but listen, if you're in the car a lot, you should you should listen to a couple of these um these um episodes. <laughs> Newley's right is unbelievable, Daishi. He's just literally he just goes on the off on these tangents, and I was just like waiting for the moment and he's and, and just loading the gun and he was just like gone. He was like he started saying about he goes between the lines guy and they're talking about Playing between the lines, and well, he goes, "What's it? The corridors or next is going to be? What, what, what? What's going on?" He said, "It's just absolutely nonsense, absolutely nonsense." Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, don't get me wrong, we, we all drop it in now and again to describe a moment. But the, the, the truth, right, so to give you a view of it, you know, everyone's got to be a tactical genius now. And I, and I, you know, in many interviews, I've said, well, I'll tell you what, I said, people tell me about these modern fullbacks and these number 10 and all that. I said, I was at Nottingham Forest in 1987. 1987, two centre-half split, two fullbacks went on. Deep-line midfielder Neil Webb tried to get the ball. Steve Odger tried to stretch the, stretch the pitch. The two wide players, one Franz Carr had played wide because he was so quick. Brian Weiss had come inside. Nigel Clough had come off the front at like a number 10. And Lee Chapman had either rolled it up or Peter Davenport had run the pitch long. I mean, this is as modern as you ever get. It's like, it's like the stereotypical academy version of football. I go, so... Yeah. Don't start trying to baffle me with modern sayings of rotation and, you know, like like recycling the ball and all that. I'm going, yeah, we've heard it all before. You know, it's just different. But, you know, you can just say, keep the ball, not recycle yeah. it, just keep the ball, you know. So it, it's, kind of, it's kind of like I said earlier about academies. It's kind of taking away the jumbo and giving them the truth. You know, you don't need all the jumbo jumbo. Just give them the truth. And then yeah. now and again, you might drop a, a better way of saying it to describe a moment better. I get that, you know. I, some of it is absolute waffle, Antonio. We is. have to listen to it, some of us. Not all of us. Some people love that waffle and managers go out there telling the world about their waffle. But we just go like, yeah, okay. So we all know what it means. That's the point. So anyway. I agree. Behind that, centre-forwards. Centre-forwards. Yes, centre-forwards. So two different types of centre-forwards. So that was my point. It's not about four-four-two or false number nine, just two completely different types of forwards. Or I think not only were they top players, but together would be a, a proper pair of strikers. So the first one, um, I, I linked it slightly. A big clue is he could, he's the only person I've seen that had it better than Timmy Cale. He could edit like no one I've ever seen. He scored a famous goal um, in a cup game against Chelsea where he outlept the keeper who came out, outlept above him and just powered in a header, in which I played in that game, uh, famous for the, the club, if you go in at that time. Marv, you definitely want to come across him. Tough. Uh, Hardy could run a bit, could play a bit, and could find a goal without any shadow of a doubt. And a gr- brilliant fella as well. I'm trying to think about the um, the leap, the header. That's I'm, I'm really trying to dig deep into the back. The other obvious clue, the other obvious, obvious clue I can give you, or well, not that obvious, but he is an international footballer, but for a much smaller country. Ah, he Very plays for Yes, yes. Oh. His name begins with H H. Marv, I reckon. No. Blank. Is that Heide Helgerson? It is Heide Helgerson. Yes. Yeah. yes. He was. Is he Icelandic? Yeah, yeah. Another yeah. one, you know, I got on with him as a lad as well. Great, great character. Um, but what, honestly, another one, you played with him. He was he was up there with arguably the most horrible trainers I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> certainly, right. So if you if you had these players in a group, I'd be picking Timmy Kaylor. I wouldn't be picking Ida. I'd be going, no, Heidi, you go on the opposition, mate. Don't worry about that. He was a brilliant player when you marked him because he was rubbish. So I just thought, great. But you get him on that first team pitch. Oof, he used to come to life. And I used to think, what an handful you are. I mean, I saw him score goals and headers. Tough, as tough a person as I've seen on a football pitch. But like I say, not nasty tough, just tough in his right. manner. Would take a hit for you. He'd get hold of the ball. He'd run. He'd head it. Great team player. And just a, just a, a great character as well. But what you know, another one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can't really say he's under eight because he obviously went on played in the Premier League. He played at Fulham and stuff like that. International, like, well, mind you. I'm sorry, just, I'm an international. He played for Iceland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played. He played in the Premier League. Um, QPR as well. Helped them get promoted to the Premier League and played in the Premier League. Helped Cardiff get promoted to the Premier League. I mean, 
you know, real, real good player, real good team player, but, but was a better, what I call an effective player. So not like Timmy Cattell had class about him dealing with the ball and everything. Heidi was just an effective player, highly effective right. player. So he was good for that reason. Um, and a great lad as well, real character. So yeah, Heidi Helgson. Was he relaxed like the Icelandics quite often are, or was he? Um, no, he, I know no, you say he was. I know you say he was the, wasn't the best trainer, but oh, he was funny in training. He just like uh, he just used the buzz of if you're marking him in training, you'd be buzzing. You think, oh, see the one the one I missed out who could fit in this team who was who was the opposite. Who was a really good trainer. I liked him a lot. And a good player. He's a very unlucky to not make my team. Was Tommy Smith because you mentioned him earlier. Tommy Smith, I'm telling you, good player. Really, really good player. Good footballer. Pace, movement. Really good player. He's probably the arguably one of the more unlucky ones I've been with me Um But yeah, and then, uh, sorry, I was just mentioning because Tommy Smith used to play up front with Ida Elkson sometimes. You know, it's right. like a number 10 as it is, like we were talking about, and Ida Elkson as the out and out number nine. Uh, good connection there. But Ida Elkson. Interesting player. And, and striker, who's next to Ida Elkson? Last but not least on my team was a player who wasn't like Ida, clever, wily. Although didn't have pace, saw it quickly and ran hard, very fit. Um, super manner about his performances, always on the move, always alive. Had some real tough personal challenges in his life um, and came through all that and just a top fella. And I, I felt was very unfortunate because of what happened to him in his personal life. I think he would have gone on to be certainly an even bigger player, not necessarily, look, you can never decide whether they're true, true Premier League players, but certainly a bigger player and have a bigger career than what he ended up having. Although, I must say, he had a very good career. Where, where were you playing with, with him? So I played with him, yeah, sorry, I, I played with him at Millwall. Oh. Same era as Timmy Cahill and Stephen Reid and Stuart Nevercott. Were you there when Chris Armstrong was there? No. Oh. I'm going back to Carl Emerson now. That's why I mean, I was thinking Chris Armstrong. So, so even big, well, the biggest clue I can give you, um, well, no, there's a few big clues. He's a record goal scorer for Millwall. He overtook Teddy Sheridan, I think it was. Oh, no. You played against him, Mark, definitely. Yeah, two um, spells. I know, yeah. Back. Not um, little Neil Harris? Neil Harris. Neil Harris, yeah. Neil Harris. Chopper. Yeah. Chopper Harris. Yeah. Yeah, he was. It was a good. Hey, out and out, good player, very good player, goal scorer. Yeah. Just, well, he come out non league, and um, he come out non league like a couple of seasons before I got to Millwall. Yeah. Sort of raw, but, but 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 ready. You know, wanting to wanting to run, wanting to play, wanting to hassle you, and he just got better and better and better. I mean, he could he could score in the box, out the box, clever finishes. He was one of the first ones I saw. He had like a reverse, like a drag almost. He, he you know, the one Marvin they opened the goal up as if yeah. they and then he'd drag it into the near stick, you know. Really clever finish. And he's he quite chirpy as well, isn't he? He's yeah, quite, he is. He's yeah, quite For his yeah, size, you know what I mean? It'll give you a little bit, won't he? Quite ball, yeah. balls, will not he? He went through testicular cancer when I was there. That's it was right. such, a big, such a big thing at that time. We were like properly shocked. And you don't know how to treat, we, you know, we didn't know how to treat that moment as, a, as people. But we had a real tight knit at Millwall. It's probably the closest sort of club I was hand in glove with, you know, with a, when I just fit the, the group and the mentality as yeah. sort of one of the older players. And we had a real tight knit with people like Chopper. And we were all a bit, you know, we didn't know how to handle it. You know, he got told he got testicular cancer. He rang me. I remember I was in, I was in with my now wife. I was in Maui, I think. And he rang me in the summer and he rang me. And I, was, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, my goodness. Because obviously you hear that word. I mean, yeah. You know, 
all the, the, the way cancer treatment is amazing now. But, yeah. you know, you hear that word and you're like, wow, you know, it's a young guy as well. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, they got it early, sorted everything out. And he actually came back. And this is, so this is, links the story of Alec Chandler. He came back and his first proper game back against uh, Alec Chamberlain was in goal for Watford. And I was at Millwall. He runs through and bends one in the top corner around Chamber. And it's a famous, it became a mural at the ground at, at Millwall where they showed it with us all pointing at the screen. Because not only did he score, they put it on the big screen. So we were, we'd just seen it and then we saw it on the big screen. And I sent it to Chambo on, a, you know, on your phone. I sent it in the clip of it yeah. just the other week and I don't have that. <laughs> so brings it full circle back to the beginning with Alec Chamberlain. But yeah, yeah. Neil, what a, what a player. What a player. Like I said, it wasn't period I think he still had a great career but if it wasn't that period yeah. I think he'd have gone on to even bigger because he went to like Nottingham Forest and back to Mill did brilliant back at Mill he did brilliant twice you know first time right. and the second time he's just left off yeah I was just yeah. oh did he oh yeah. dear because oh, yeah, he was at Millwall for right. years when he was a manager so yeah well yeah he did well at Mill for four years I think it was yeah like, yeah four, four and a half years yeah Great lad, great lad. Still a good friend of mine still now, uh, but a good player, really good player. Them two, if you had Hyder and him, I'd say it. With Timmy flying in the box. Yeah. Got a chance there. So, honourable mentions. Who are you? Have you got any honourable mentions you mentioned? I know you mentioned well, a few. I've got to mention Marv. You know, Marv, was, Marv was a good guy. Not saying it, but not just saying it. Good, great guy, great for me. Accepted me as his partner straight away. No weirdness, not sort of, oh, you don't do this, don't that. Just go to Dodge, this is how we do it, this is how we play. Knew Luton like the back of his hand, rightly so. So that helped me, you know, because I'm straight in with him and he's like settling me down going, everything's cool, you know. Um, really good to play with Marv. I actually really enjoyed physically playing with him as well as being around him and his group, you know what I mean? Like real good characters there. Nice feel about it. And it was a really important time to my career because I'd had such a terrible time at Bristol City. I learned a lot from Bristol City, but I had a real bad time. So going into Luton at that time was really important to me. It could have been make or break. You know, your career either goes that way or that way. And... Um, like I say, Marv had that brilliant way about him of making me look a lot better than him. So that was I was accepting that easy. I like dribbling too much. So you you know he's there with a little dustpan and brush. I got your Marv, I've got your Marv. <laughs> yeah, Marv used to carry out a defense and that. And I'm like, where's he going? Where's what's he what's he doing? I was just going, Marv, Marv, just pass it. Like that he's screaming at him. But, uh, no, 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 so Marv definitely. Well, anyway, yep. back, if you don't mind, I'll give you a quick run through, right? Is that all right for the position? So, goalkeepers, I was very fortunate. Tony Warner, terrific at Millwall. I really put Chamber in top keeper, played 785 games, Chamber, but he is a friend as well. Tony Warner, fantastic in my period with him at Millwall. Been really fortunate. My goalkeeping coach here at Burnley called Billy Mercer. He played with me yep. in the team to the uh, Chesterfield semi final against Middlesbrough. Good so, I remember him. You know, um, good friends of mine, Mick Leonard, back in the day when I first started at Chesterfield. I mean, I've been really fortunate with keepers. Um, right back, Lucas Neal, without a doubt. Lucas Neal, what a good player. I mean, top, top player. No surprise to me that he went off to play in the Premier League and played lots of games in the Premier League. I mean, a top player. Um, Centre-half's joking apart. Marv, I really enjoyed playing with Marv, but um, Neil Cox, as I said, I thought Neil Cox was an excellent player. Really good player. Um, left backs there was, a, there was a few I mean Robbie Ryan at Millwall you know very underrated incredibly underrated player really enjoyed playing with him but but I think Robbo Robinson he, he takes it for that one on the wide Tommy Smith without a shadow of a doubt really good player 
Um, really enjoyed playing with him as well. You know, great lad. I don't see him very often now, but, but fantastic fella. Um, midfield, there was a lad called Dave Livermore. It was more, more like a break, broke up the play and allowed Timmy Cale to go into the box. Very underrated player. Gavin Marner mentioned, you know, top players. There was a few. I thought, Marv, I thought back in the day, Springy is a young player. Yeah, Springy. Springy went on, don't get me wrong, I'm not doing him down a good career, but I thought, you no. know, I thought he's a top player. Could play, yeah. could run, you know, really could play. You know, I only had a small period. That's why I couldn't put people like that in the team. It's too small a period. Right. But I thought he was a very good player. Well, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, to, I'm a bit confused. Was Fred, you not... Fred, was, Fred, was, yeah, sorry. Was, was Roney not up far with you? No, so we we were we were mates but by default, Marv. I right. was already at Forest. I was a young pro. Just as I left for, to go to Chesterfield after being on loan there, Woney moved into my digs because Forest agreed I could stay in my digs. Right. That's right. how we became mates. So he was actually coming into Forest. I was leaving Forest. I was he's older than me. I was uh, 19 because I was a young pro at Forest. He was 21, 22. Okay. And we just became friends because we lived together in the same house and we just became mates. Right. So, yeah, so the, our career sort of runs out that way. Right. It's fair, to say, it's fair to say off the pitch, we were tight. Don't worry about that around nine. <laughs> we were right with that bit. We sorted that bit out. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, midfield, um, wide left, Christoph Kinnay, I played with that, a brilliant spell at Millwall, you know, another good player. Um, I mean, he, you know, even he's, he's tough. You know, there's that many, like I say, some of these guys, are, you wouldn't know their names, but when you play at the Marvel Tier, there's players you play with, you know. Yeah. Incredibly underrated. Incredibly underrated. But when you play with them, you think, you know, what good players. Like Greza. Greza was another one right back, of yeah. course. Greza, fantastic professional. Very underrated. Well, not underrated because he had a really good career, but better Correct. player than most people like thought, you know, I believe. Kev Davis could go up front easily. You know, he could make your team up front. So there's so many of good mentions of so many players. I mean, I played for 20 years and I played at six, five, six different clubs. So, you know, varying players that I played with. But, um, and who's, no, and, and who's going to manage this team? So you obviously got to pick a manager. And it doesn't have to be a manager who's was a manager. It could be a youth team coach. Some people have picked some people. And it could be any, anyone who might have been an influence to you um, in your career. Who's going to manage this team? Who are you going to have to lead this well, team? As a now manager, I'd enjoy managing that team because I know them as characters. And they're, they're a good group. I mean, not just players. They're yeah. a good group. Yeah. Um, but no... Um, I think through my years, ooh, John Duncan was amazing. John Duncan guy, I always tell this story because I think people don't really know John Duncan. John Duncan got a group of what I call average, a group of all rightness in a small little club like Chesterfield. And he molded it into a team that got promoted, got to an FA Cup sign, a uh, semi-final. And that, that club right Chesterfield, when I was there, had hardly sold a player for years. Well, all of a sudden, Kev Davis went for 750,000. I went for 375,000. Billy Mercer goes for 250,000. Paul Holland goes for 250,000. Blah, 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 blah. And I just look back on that and I think, wow, they did an unbelievable job making this unit. And I, I, a lot of my ideas came from that. So over my career, probably John Duncan, but more for getting the best out of everyone, you know, getting the best out of really skinny resources. And I've taken a lot of that thinking into here because we don't leave the market financially. So a lot of that thinking, the, the, the sort of thoughts behind it, building that team connection, that the way the team operates, a lot of that I've used from then times. Um, so, yeah, fantastic, I thought, you know, and a really, really good uh, manager. Other, all of the managers, Marvel, say you learn something off all of them. Ray Lewington was excellent. I really liked Ray when I was at Watford. You know, very a bit of coach, coach Ray Harford, the late Ray Harford, of course, who was, yeah. who's, you know, 
brilliant coach under Mark McGee. Mark McGee was very good. You know, I've been very fortunate with my managers. I think they've all rubbed off on me in some way or the other, and I've nicked some ideas off all of them in one way or the other. So John Duncan's going to be the one to lead this team? John Duncan, John Duncan yeah. just because, like I said, he got an average group of people, players, and made us into a proper unit and helped our careers move forward. Excellent. So, I mean, I, I listen to a quite, I mean, I've listened to quite a few podcasts what you've been on and just listening. If I didn't know you, Daishi, and I'm not just saying this because obviously I know you and I've played with you, but listening to how you speak and how you come across, if I was playing today, I'd want to play for someone like you as, as my manager. And I just want to ask you now, what do you believe is the biggest thing for you, which has made you the, the good, i say, more than good, great manager you are now. What's the one thing which you think you have in your head thinking, well, this is what I want to be with my players. What's the one thing which, in your opinion, has led you to be... Well, first of all, thanks for the kind words, mate. But the, I think, no. honesty, I think, honesty, you know, I, I, I just thought we were in an era when I just felt that you got told, do this, do that, do this, do that. And a bit of like, you know, I just, I always thought, just tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. You know, soft truth, hard truth, whichever truth it is, just tell me the truth. So I, I just tell the players the truth. In every level of their careers, if they ask my advice, I give them a truthful answer. And not always the right, the right answer or the right, the answer they want to hear, but I tell them right. the truth. And I think over yeah. my time, even players who it hasn't worked out for or maybe left this club, they very rarely do I hear bad things what you know that how I've treated them. Very yeah, rarely that's true. they just go, yeah. No, you know, it's fair. Um, yeah, so given honesty and, and fairness, I think it's a good start point, you know, when you're working with players. And if they know you're gonna tell them the truth, I think it's a good start point, you know, a good base to work from. So I think I think honesty is a really important yeah. and respect yeah. as well. Respect, well, Ralph, I, I, didn't, I didn't like our era of getting screamed at and all that and called names. I never, by the way, it's just a little insight. I never, mm -hmm. ever, ever have called any of my players a name, as in a name about them. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, you know, I've know. never <laughs> called a player a name. I've asked them about their what they're doing and I've put pressure on about what they're doing. I've never called a player a name. Never accused that's them, that's never called them a name. No, that's great. Right. Interesting. Honestly, I think you're right. Honesty is the biggest yeah. thing. I think you look back and you you hear so many. If you hear players talk, and like, especially there's a lot of these podcasts going around where I mean players are talking. You hear them say, "Oh, no, I don't like him. Oh, I didn't like him because he told me that." Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's so it's true. Yeah, he, he, what he told you that? He goes, "Yeah," but at the time, well, I don't think the go on. Marv, the hardest thing that I had with honesty, and, and I believe in it. So once I actually said to a player, I won't say which player, I left him out. And he said, why you left him out? And I said, look, because I believe in honesty, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've just got a feeling. I've just got a feeling. And I said, I know that sounds a rubbish reason to believe me out, but I can feel it that right. I'm making the right decision. And they couldn't accept at the time. They were like, how can you just say you can just feel it? But anyway, to be fair, years later, I met this player and he went, you were right. I said, you were right. He said, you know, I knew it. He said, I couldn't admit it then, but I knew at the time it was the right decision. Really? Yeah, because players, you know, Marv, as you get older, you get more they open know. about yeah. When you're young, you really, you protect yourself. So, you you know, I said to the players, you, you, you put these layers of armour on. Sometimes you've got to be humble. You've got to take them layers of armour off and be a bit more vulnerable because that's how you move forward. Well, you don't learn it. It's your favourite, Marv, you know. You know, if I only knew now what I knew, if I only knew then what I knew now. <laughs> yeah. It's the oldest one in the book, but it's true. It's true. You know, and all the yeah. things that you've learned and all these experiences, you try and ex express these ideas to young players and they defend themselves. They put these barriers up. We're like, just take the barriers down. Just please listen. And you'll, you'll, you'll move forward quicker. 
And some do and some don't. And it's we just try and take them layers out, you know, try and remove the layers and say, just trust us. We're going to be honest with you. Just trust us. And when it works, it works well. Well, Daishi, listen, I want to just say on behalf of Andrew and myself, thank you so much for doing this. And like, it just shows what a genuine, yeah, genuine guy you are. It's been fantastic talking to you and hearing about your 11. It really has. Fantastic. Stay well. Yeah, thanks very much. And thank you very much. And that was Sean Daishi's My Best 11. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, you can subscribe at My Best 11 Pod and leave us a five-star rating. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at mybetterlivingpod. Email mybetterlivingpod at gmail.com.